Folks, this is Jack Spierko. Welcome to another episode of the Survival Podcast and the Bitcoin Breakout. If you're tracking it by Survival Podcast numbers, we're up up to episode 3,146. If you're tracking it as a Bitcoin Breakout episode, we're up to piddly little number 15. This is going to be a huge show. It's going to be a great one. I'm hoping many of you that only listen to the regular TSP episodes that have kind of opted out of the breakout will listen to this one. Because if you don't, to be blunt, you hate money. That's right. You hate money if you don't listen to this episode and take it to heart. Imagine a world where you just take all the stuff that you pay for anyway... You change your method of payment, it doesn't cost you any more money, and you get, well, you get free Bitcoin, and you get the best kind of Bitcoin ever, tax-free Bitcoin. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, how does that work? Okay, so the IRS considers rebates on credit cards a discount, not something that you receive as compensation. So you bought the thing and it was five bucks and you got a 10% discount. So you paid 450. So you had a 50% discount and it happened to be in the form of dollars or Amazon reward points or in this case, Satoshis. Yeah, that's how this works. And you're going to hear today how you can earn between 0.5 to 1% discount, cashback, call it whatever you want to in Bitcoin on every purchase you make, depending on the option you take, and how you can multiply that in other ways. How you can game the system. Do you buy stuff on Amazon, for instance? If you do, inside the Fold app, you can buy an Amazon gift card and immediately get 5% cash back in sats and still get the half to 1% plus the adders if you want to spin the wheel on the other side of it. So somewhere between 55 to 6%, up to $500 in Amazon purchases every month. Do you buy $500 worth of crap on Amazon every month? If you do and you're not doing this, you're literally throwing away money. If your mortgage company will let you pay your mortgage with a debit card, you could be doing that. We pay our health insurance with our Fold card. I pay my server bill, $700 a month. I pay for the dedicated server that I run this business on. I pay for that with my Fold card. The other day, my wife's like, I'd like some wine. I went up to the grocery store. I picked up some wine. Guess what I paid for it with? My Fold card. There's restaurants in there. There's all types of special deals with the gift card stuff. So you use the Fold card to buy the gift card, and you get double sats or triple or quadruple, or in some cases, like the Amazon one, quintuple or even more. And you don't have to really do anything except move money to your Fold app and spend it from there instead of spending it from where we are spending it now. We're going to talk about how to game this, how to get the most out of it, some new stuff that's coming. My understanding is that today, a new version with new features of the Fold app is dropping, and we have a rep here to talk to us about that. This should be exciting. If you don't really care that much about Bitcoin, it should still be exciting. It gives you a chance to leverage into the investment with no out-of-pocket expense. How, how, how strong and how powerful is this? I've only been using it three weeks. In three weeks, I've earned 308,000 Satoshis in cash back. And I'm starting to build my own spin squad. I'll tell you how you can join it. And then you get 5,000 sats the day you sign up for free. And then if you add to your own spin squad, you can build from there. 
No, it's not MLM. It's nothing like that. It's one level. It lasts one year. And these people are not just throwing away money. They're building a really smart business on layer three technology. So if you spend money, you probably spend the majority of your money. Even if you're into Bitcoin deeply, you probably still spend a lot of fiat. Fold is fiat done right. We take fiat spending and we convert a portion of it to Bitcoin and we stack it long term. I'll be talking about all of that and more in just a minute. Before we do, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is KnifeKits.com. Look, guys, our country's turned into a, a, a nation of incapable individuals. I, I, I hate saying that. It doesn't give me any pleasure to say that. But we have turned into a nation, and it's not like I don't just pick on the younger generation. There's plenty of 50-year-olds out there like me that can't do shit. Don't know which end of a screwdriver to point at a screw and don't know the difference between a Phillips and a flat tip, right? And we need to start rebuilding our skills. I've found that a lot of times the way to rebuild skills is to take something you really want to do and then learn the skill necessary to do the thing. The art of making knives is one of the great skills that you can use to develop other hard skills. It's also a way to make family heirlooms. If you had a knife, even if it wasn't that great, it was the first one you ever made, and you made it with your grandfather... What would you charge somebody if you were going to sell it to them, especially if your grandfather had passed by now? What if it was your great-grandfather's knife? That's what you can build starting out at Knife Kits. It can become a hobby. It can become a side hustle. It can become a full-time business, and it's easy to get started. Learn more at KnifeKits.com. Next up today, BulkAmmo.com. Guys, Bulk Ammo has been a sponsor for more than a decade of the Survival Podcast. If you have guns and you have no ammo, you have barter items, expensive clubs, You have paperweights. Gun, no ammo is not really a gun. I know the government says it's a gun. Technically, it's a gun. But it can't do what a gun's supposed to do. It can't put meat on the table. It can't really let you train the right way. And it can't defend you if you are in harm's way. You need ammo for all of that. You need it fast. You need it affordable. You check out BulkAmmo.com. And by the way, BulkAmmo.com and Knife Kits both do discounts for members of the Member Support Brigade. If you want to know more about that, go to the Survival Podcast Dot com and click on members. With that, let's drop on into the live feed with our special guest, Jeremy Hall from Fold.app. And we are live. Had a little snag there, hang up, waiting to go live for about 30 seconds. But uh, I am fortunate today to have our guest with us, Jeremy Hall from Fold.app. And we're going to talk about the Fold card and how to earn sats back on almost everything, almost everything anyway. My real quick disclaimer before I introduce Jeremy, though, is I will never contact you for any personal information or private chat, et cetera, in the video comments below. Just because you see my logo does not mean it's me. In fact, it probably isn't me if you're asking for anything. Lots of scams out there. Anyway, with that, Jeremy, welcome to uh, the Bitcoin Breakout and the Survival Podcast. Awesome. Thanks, Jack, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I, I'm excited to have you on. Um, I, I fold with something people told me about probably a couple months ago, and I finally got around to setting up the the app and getting the card about three weeks ago. And as I was telling you, like we we've earned over three hundred thousand sets back in three weeks. It's 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 kind of insane. It's not a huge dollar number, but it's all money we would have spent anyway. So I want to go deep into fold and how to game the system, and we got some new stuff coming out today. But I want to start out with Jeremy, dude. Like, how did you get into the crypto space in the first place? Oh, man, it it's a wild ride, to be honest. So my journey started 
about 2015 into 2016 with uh, these things called airdrops, where crypto companies used to give away a little bit of their tokens to get it started so people could start trading them, right? They'd just give it for free. You just had to fill out a form. Uh, and I did that. I had heard about Bitcoin, you know, before, but like everybody else, I heard about it when it crashed. And I'm like, oh, man, I can't afford to put money into something that's going to lose me money. No, that sounds like a scam. Uh, but I signed up for this free drop and then completely forgot about it. And then in 2017, um, found the hard drive and I was like, oh, man, I wonder if anything ever came with these tokens. Right. Let me go check it out. Uh, looked it up and they were worth about thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> and I was I was floored and I was like, this this can't be right. Right. And so that that sent me down the rabbit hole of looking into this and learning about crypto and then learning about Bitcoin and then um Honestly, like the natural progression of anybody who looks deep into it, uh, eventually you realize why Bitcoin is like the standard, obviously reading the Bitcoin standard. Um, and then from there, just almost becoming evangelical about it, like realizing just how impactful the technology can be and and wanting to get into the space. So from there, I did everything I could to put myself into the space and, and help develop it in any way I could. And how did you end up coming to work for Fold? Uh, well, I had worked for a crypto company prior to Fold uh, called Obelisk, where uh, they developed mining equipment for a different token, uh, Psycoin. Um, and unfortunately, they were hit hard by the bear market of 2018. Um, and so they you know, ceased operations. And uh, I was lucky enough to um, see a post on Twitter um, from the uh, current COO or from the previous COO said they were looking for people in, you know, my profession, customer service and customer service management. So I reached out and uh, had some awesome interviews and here I am today. Awesome. Awesome. It's cool. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, you know, Fold is, to my understanding, kind of a Bitcoin only company. They haven't gotten involved with what we colloquially call shit coins uh, in the in the world today, um, and, and I think you've kind of moved that direction yourself. Like, what what took you away? Because there there seems like there should be some use case for some of these other currencies, but the the, the more you dig in, and like you mentioned, the Bitcoin standards from Safe and the like the fiat standard. The more you dig in, the more you're like, yeah, no, I think we'll just go with Bitcoin. What what made Fold make that call, or what made you make that call? So I agree that the technology that powers Bitcoin, you know, distributed ledger technology, uh, I believe there are use cases for that that can encompass every aspect of our lives. And I think that there will be tokens that are used for propagating those systems and, and whatnot. But as far as a monetary system, something that's going to hold your wealth, I don't think that there is a better option or technology out there and fold kind of agrees right okay. what we what we believe is we believe in the technology of bitcoin we believe in the tenants you know immutable that it's anonymous that you have complete control over your finances and bitcoin is the only standard that's out there right now the golden standard of of that kind of technology so when we're talking about creating and preserving wealth for us, the the clear winner and only option is Bitcoin. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think that what's made a lot of, and I would call Fold a layer three app, and what's made a lot of these layer three apps uh, doable today has been 
the Lightning Network, like because that's what a Layer Three app is, obviously. But you know, when I'm when I'm in my back end of the Fold app and I've just made a purchase, and I can either take my one percent flat rate or spin for more, or possibly get up with less. Like we'll talk about that a bit. But when I'm doing something like that, that and we're talking in Satoshi's. And maybe it's 500 sats or something. We have to be doing that on Lightning. There's no other way that we could run an app like this. So the Lightning Network, I think, is empowering so many new technologies, and it just strengthens the Bitcoin case. Yeah, absolutely. And and I do agree. We do have uh, Lightning features in the app, such as, you know, you can purchase gift cards using uh, the uh, Lightning Network. Uh, we have some exciting Things that we're working on behind the scenes, uh, as far as integrating Lightning into all of our um, features and whatnot, and so uh, I definitely agree that apps like ours and others in the space are definitely helping build out that infrastructure, uh, which is going to help increase adoption on a global scale. So Tom has a question that I think is so relevant to what we're talking about right now. We'll go ahead and take it now instead of at the end. He says, "Does Fold have a timeline?" for allowing withdrawals via Lightning? So we don't have an official timeline as far as when we believe that that feature will be available. Um, we are still pretty small team, and so there are lots of things that we are currently working on, making sure that the app runs as smooth as possible. Um, and so right now it definitely is on the top of things that we would like to implement, but I don't have an exact timeline of when that feature will be available. Okay. Yeah, and I, I mean, we're going to get into it a little bit later. That like any company like this is leveraging, you know, a tech team pretty hard. Like it's 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 a lot of work to build this tech out, and you guys have like a bunch of new stuff that's that's hitting today. So we'll get that. And and so like everybody wants a thing, and like you can have all the things, but certain things are going to come before other things. Um, what, what, let's talk about the basics of the Fold program. Like, how, how does Fold work? And, uh, you know, it's a card, but it's also an app. And, like, the app goes with the card, the card goes with the app. Absolutely. So we have kind of a tiered system, if you will, right, such as you can sign up for just the app. And in the app, we have a lot of features that don't require you to sign up for our Fold card. Uh, we have a free daily wheel. You can spin once a day and just earn free sats just for signing into the app and, and tapping the wheel, right? Um, you can purchase gift cards. You can do that with a personal card, like a debit card, and you can also do that with the Bitcoin Lightning um, network. Now, some gift cards are not available via Lightning just because, you know, as we discussed before, there are some companies out there that do not want to be associated with Bitcoin just yet for whatever reasons that they have. Um, and so not everything is available via Lightning, but um, if you wanted to sort of remain anonymous, you don't have to provide any identifiable information just to sign up for the app. Okay. Um, you can you can do that. Um, but then you move into the next phase where we have our free card. You can sign up. It does not cost anything to sign up for the card. Um, you get that mailed to your house. And once you have that, you can load funds on there. And then every time you make a purchase using your debit card, you get the option to choose a reward. Uh, on our free card right now, I believe we are just offering the spin option. Uh, so you, when you make a purchase, you get a wheel that comes up, click on that wheel, and you get to see what you earn. We do variable rewards because uh, we also want to make sure that it's fun, right? We, we don't think that saving money should be boring. 
we want to make this a fun experience. And like you said, do you want to game the system? What can I do to increase the amount that I'm getting? Uh, so there's that. And then you move into the spin plus, which is kind of like our premium service. Uh, and just today we're making some changes. Like I said, we'll kind of get into that later, but you know, there's a lot of different options that are available, right? You can spin, you could choose your flat rate because that was a very big feature that we had from people that are like, you know, I don't really want to game the system. I don't want to try to get more. It's frustrating sometimes to earn less. Yeah. I would love to just have that flat rate option, right? And we were like, okay, we hear you. Uh, and so we implemented that flat rate. So you can choose to just take your flat 1% um, and basically give yourself a 1% raise, right? You are making your money work 1% harder for you just by selecting that option. Um, yeah, yeah. And there's some ways to like without – I guess people call this gambling, and I, I don't really think that it is. I think that it's you have – you have a fun option, right? Like the flat rate, you know, if you have a really big purchase and 1% sounds good to you and you don't have any extra spins, you might be like, I'll just take the 1% or you, you might decide to, to, you know, proverbially roll the dice. <laughs> but, but some of the other stuff, like when I real, like I didn't even realize it at first. So I, you know, it says shop and I'm like, well, what does shop mean? Well, shop basically means get a gift card. So I'm scrolling through and like, well, why would I use a gift card? It's like, oh, you get additional sats back and the one that i keep on instantly because i do buy so much from amazon was amazon and there were actually two options and one was to buy an amazon gift card with like say my paypal debit card attached to my fold app and that was a one percent additional so i still get my one percent as a fold plus member on the other side but i get one percent on the card itself then i saw but if you use your fold card to buy the Amazon gift card, then you get 5%. So now you're at 6% back on all cash purchases from Amazon uh, up to like 500 bucks a month. And then you can revert to the 1% option if you kind of burn that out in a month. And I'm like, wait a minute, that, that right there for us, because we do buy so much through Amazon, because frankly, I don't like leaving my house if I don't have to. Um, that right there justifies Fold Plus for me. I'm right. Right there, like I'm going to upgrade from that. And so there's a lot of other options like that, right? There are. So we are actually making some changes to the way that uh, the gift cards work within our app. Uh, because like you mentioned, we are sort of at the mercy of, of what these vendors give us as far as, hey, we can pass this along to our users. Um, and so some of the changes that we're making, there are going to be some spin plus exclusive gift cards that are, that are on the app that are only available to users that have that spin plus card or users that just have our basic spin card in general, right? Because mm -hmm. what we want to make sure that we're doing is we want to make sure that we are providing value for the users that are signing up for our program. Um, and so you can, you know, get buy up to $500 worth of Amazon and get that 5% back, which is awesome. Um, you can, there's a, a prize right now on our daily wheel or not our daily wheel, but our post purchase wheel that gives you an extra 1% on your next purchase. So you could in theory spend $5 at McDonald's and earn that 1% and then buy a $250 Amazon gift card and get an yeah. extra 1% on top. Right. Yeah. Um, and so there are just these crazy ways that you can maximize your sets back and, um, you know, we, we keep it fresh. You know, you mentioned sort of like gambling. And one of the ways we like to differentiate ourselves from gambling is uh, you're never going to lose. Right. <laughs> There's not an option for you to get just absolutely 
nothing back for your purchase. There, you are always going to earn something. Um, and so we like to make that fun. We change the wheel up uh, every few weeks to a month uh, just to keep prizes fresh. We like to, you know, take feedback from the community where we say, okay, hey, this prize wasn't exactly a, a crowd favorite. So we're going to remove that and replace it with something else. Yeah, if uh, every and, single person that landed on that that had an extra spin didn't take it, you know that it's probably not really valued yep. very much, right? Yeah, and so, you know, we always want to make sure. Then, you know, at the other end, we also want to make sure that there are people that are not monopolizing our wheel. Yeah. Right? Because that was something that we found and we had to make some changes to the platform where we had a disproportionate number of users that were uh, using loopholes and gamification to get an abnormal amount of stats, which kind of steals from everybody else. Right. Because we have to make sure that all our rewards are you know distributed evenly. And so, you know, we like to make changes to make sure that the most number of users get the largest amount of stats. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really important. And at the end of the day, you have probably like a daily budget of what you can afford to remain in the black. Uh, we had a question already about, you know, where do the Satoshis come from? Well, I'm sure that Fold makes money. Uh, on the other side, like you're, you're processing transactions, you're making deals for gift cards. And also Fold has a profit channel, but then a portion of that can be distributed as Satoshis back. But, you know, you can't be paying out more than you take in and stay in business. Right. And so, uh, Having coming to work for Fold has really opened my eyes to the way like the behind the scenes finance stuff works. And so as a card issuer, we actually earn a very small percentage of every transaction that's processed through our debit card. And so what we're able to do is take that and actually forward it to our users in the form of these sats. So let's say we earn one percent on a transaction. That's how we can offer you a one percent sat back flat rate. Um, if you earn more than that, that's great. And, you know, we, we like to keep things fresh. Uh, but, you know, that, that's kind of how our business model works. That's also why, you know, some transactions are not eligible for sets, like withdrawing money from an ATM, right? Sure. We don't, we don't earn any money on that. There's, you're just taking your own money back out. There's no purchases or processes. So we're just not able to offer rewards on those types of transactions. But anytime, Fold is going to make a profit on this transaction. We'd like to forward that on to our users in the form of sets. And I want to point out, it's not just mega brands that are in the gift cards. And like I said, I'm sure this will continue to grow. But for instance, one of the companies I was surprised to see in there is actually sponsored my show. Uh, Start nine with their embassy servers. They have a gift card option. You can earn up to, that's what I was looking for my phone, up to 8% back, depending on the options, I guess. So that's an example of a relatively small company, certainly fitting this technology and this space, uh, offering digital sovereignty, running your own server, the ability to run nodes, et cetera. And, and I was like, wow, they're in there. And then, you know, like, you know, right below that's like a giant mega brand fast food place like Taco Bell. And so I, I love seeing kind of this assembly, like one that did it for me. And I'm like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, Lowe's. Because Lowe's, <laughs> Lowe's better talk to y'all because I have a Lowe's and a Home Depot. Almost the exact same difference from my distance of my house. Their pricing is comparable. Their selection is comparable. Their service is the same. They probably have employees flipping back and forth when they lose jobs, right? But the Home Depot parking lot sucks to get in and out of, and the home, the Lowe's one is easy. But when I'm like, oh, I can get 3% back on all purchases from Home Depot, guess where my business just shifted? So, like, that's an example out there. We have a huge segment of this audience that are big into DIY home improvement, stuff like that. Like 
you're buying stuff from Home Depot and you're doing it anyway. And then you've got your 3%. And if you're a plus member, you've got another 1% on the other side of that, right? If we just leave the spin off it. So that's, that's 4%. Like it, it doesn't make sense to not do that in my opinion. No, you're absolutely right. And that's one of the things that we like to, you know, it's kind of like the heart of one of our, you know, tenants is we are not trying to take your money. We're just trying to show you better ways to spend it, right? Just a small, tiny change in your habits of, okay, you know, like you said, I normally shop at Lowe's, but now I can earn more, get the same items, same prices, same everything if I just go shop at Home Depot. So now all you've done is you're still swiping your debit card. You're still making that payment. But instead of the bank giving you absolutely nothing for it, now what you've done is you've bought this gift card and you've earned a bunch of money back and you're still getting what you intended to buy. Right. So a small change in your spending pattern results in a pretty significant amount of savings to you. Yeah, just just throwing some other things out here. Uber. 3%. 3%. If you use Uber a lot, duh. Uh, Uber Eats, 3%. I mean, DoorDash is on there too, I think. I didn't see it. Wayfair. Uh, TJ Maxx. My son loves Top Golf. I'm going to tell him, if you don't get this for yourself, then let me buy your cards for you and you can give me cash. Right? <laughs> like, I mean, it, 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 and these are all, what I'm trying to make the point of for people listening, this is all above and beyond the general spend. Because we've gone to like, my wife is in, it's a pain in the butt when you change your funding method for paying bills. But once it's done one month and you're set up to keep doing it, we're paying our health insurance with our full card. We're, we would be paying our Subaru lease payment, but those jerks won't take it. Uh, we're paying our cell phone bill. We're paying our cable bill. Uh, when we went grocery shopping on Sunday, we paid with it. When we went, when we go to Costco and buy like $5,000 worth of crap for the big fall workshop, We'll pay with our fold card. Like, and this is not a credit card, right? This is not because I hate consumer debt. I think consumer debt is dumb. I think leverage debt and all things like real estate and all that might make sense if you do it right. Leverage debt into like a business might make sense, but consumer level debt on your groceries or your cell phone, that's dumb. But just changing your funding source and then putting all of this cash back in the form of Bitcoin in your pocket, that makes a ton of sense to me. And the other thing that I was like, Wait a minute. What does the IRS say about this? And if you have any contradictory information, you let me know. But I looked it up and the IRS views uh, credit card rewards as a discount, therefore not income. So I would have spent four dollars, but I spent three fifty instead. I got a discount. So it's not a tax implication either. Obviously, I guess when you would spend it, it might become one. That's that's kind of great to me, too, because it, I don't know. I guess it would become the basis of the day I got it or something like that. But as far as if you're gonna if you're gonna hold long term and you're just gonna add to your stack, it's nothing. Yeah, absolutely. And I am by no means a tax professional, but the understanding that we have uh, is the same. The IRS reviews these rewards as a rebate uh, on the purchase that you're getting, so it's not income, it's not taxable. The Bitcoin itself is technically held on our app as a liability to you since you don't it is not in a wallet that you own so your cost basis for that does not actually begin to accrue until you actually remove it from the app and you take possession of it okay then once you take possession of it you'll need to keep track you know has it increased since i bought it or decreased i love that though 
And the reason I love that is I have sats coming in every day, and it's a nightmare if you were trying to be above board and report everything with a basis and all. But if I do one withdrawal a quarter, that's really simple. That's really it's really really simple that way because um, there are people that are going to really really worry about that. So like absolutely, I think that's great. I think that's great. So um, you have new features that I think just dropped. I didn't get a chance to look at it, but I got an email from Fold, and I knew from back channels that something was coming today. And can you talk about some of the new things that maybe are dropping or just dropped? Sure. So some of the the changes that we're making are are kind of just back end changes. Uh, you know, I mentioned there are going to be some exclusive gift cards for our Spin Plus members. Uh, we are going to have some um, upgraded earning potentials uh, for, you know, because we're able to, say, kind of gateway some of these uh, cards, we're able to offer maybe a higher percentage on some of the, the rewards that we're giving out. Um, we are turning on our subscription service and we're actually working on, uh, we've actually reduced the overall cost to, to members. Um, originally it was about $150 a year, but with our new subscription plan that is launching today, uh, we've actually given people the option to pay by month. You can do $10 a month if you want, which, you know, fits into people's budget a little better sometimes because not everybody has a, a, you know, large chunk of money to put down all the time. Uh, also, some people may just want to try us out. That's another thing. You know, committing for an entire year to something that you're not sure about can be daunting. Um, so, you know, we've launched the ability to do a, a monthly payment um, or you can do $100 for a whole year. Um, okay. So now we've we've reduced the overall cost of entry to this um, and given people more control over how they, they interact with the Fold app. So just so I'm going to restate that and make sure I have that right. The old price to be a full plus member was 150 a year, one option, pay for it up front. New option, $10 a month, 120 a year, or basically you're getting a discount at $100 a year full price. Yep. I think it's great. I think it's awesome. And I think it lets people kind of ease into it and decide if it's for them or not. And uh, if not, then they can revert, I guess, right? Like yeah. you just go to customer service and say, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. Maybe you do it right in the app and you go back to being a yellow yep. card versus a black card holder. So we actually have uh, put that functionality into the app and that function will go live, uh, I believe, next week. Uh, but the other nice thing that we're doing is we're actually giving everybody that signs up a 30-day free trial of the Spin Plus program. So when you sign up for our free for our free card, just the basic spin card, you get spin plus for your first 30 days after you receive your card. So you can see the benefits. You can see if you're going to say buy all of those Amazon gift cards. and You're like, oh, man, this really is a, a benefit to me. Um, and then after the 30 days, if you choose not to, you just automatically go back to the free version and continue on. You know, we're not trying to be predatory. We're not trying to make you pay for something. Um, and if you do like it, you can just select, hey, I want to do $10 a month, or I really see myself using this, I'll go ahead and commit for a year. Awesome. And you get a discount for, for paying in full, which is really cool. I mean, I do that with my membership. I think most companies tend to, to offer something, if, if there's an option between payments or upfront, uh, unless you're selling cars and making money on the financing. Otherwise, <laughs> you probably do that. Um, so I have seen something in the app that said not available yet, which would me to lead me to believe that it is coming. 
So one way that we can fund our, our, our card is through ACH, which has a bit of a delay, but it, it has much higher limits than uh, funding with a debit card. But it said ACH rewards are not active yet. So are you guys going to do something with like maybe you get some kind of bonus add-on because you fund with ACH? So that is something that we're exploring. Uh, like we talked about before, the ability for us to give rewards is dependent on us earning some sort of fee when doing transactions. And unfortunately, the banks do not really want to come off of any kind of money when they're transferring funds through the system, right? Sure. Banks don't want to give you anything. So our ability to offer rewards on ACH is really dependent on our bargaining power with the banks that we use. Like say, hey, can you give us some sort of benefit that we can then pass along to our users? Uh, so we are continuously exploring that and trying to find a way to make that happen. Um, as we continue to grow as a company, obviously we gain a little more bargaining power. So our hope is to work something out to where we do have that. Um, we're also exploring ways to help incentivize that that may not be direct rewards, such as, you know, if you do an ACH, you get a certain amount of respins that you can use um, for your purchases. That way, if you do land on a lower prize, you're like, oh, man, I got half a percent. Well, what we want you to do is have that respin and maybe turn that half a percent into two percent. And if you got that respin by depositing via ACH, then then you're, you know, that that's a reward that's kind of indirect as opposed to just giving you sats for making those deposits. And, um, you know, Hunters here is asking us if uh, you can fund with Bitcoin directly. And I said no. And I was about to answer this in, in the tech side uh, over on Twitch. But I'm, I'm going out on a limb here, but I think it's probably a safe limb. That would make Fold an exchange. And you guys are riding a line between new payment methodology and legacy payment systems and adding exchange into that is probably not something in the near term because that's a whole different world. Right. So you are correct. There are some regulatory hurdles when trying to fund a card with Bitcoin. Right. And so that does that does pose certain challenges. Now, that's not to mean that we're not working on things behind the scenes. You know, it's no secret that we are working on a credit card. Uh, that may incorporate certain features such as, you know, working more direct with the Bitcoin network. Um, more details on that soon, of course. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, we, we are working on lots of things behind the scenes that may help us integrate more with Bitcoin. Um, but I, the actual funding of your prepaid debit card with Bitcoin is something that is still probably a little ways off. Okay. But oh, it might actually happen because that's I was like it probably they probably won't because it's just so it's so clean that oh we're not an exchange right that's not what we're doing we're not an exchange we don't take Bitcoin we provide Bitcoin as cash rewards we take cash I've seen a number of layer three apps take this approach in a way that if you weren't on one side of it you might not even notice for instance uh, our podcast is on the Fountain app like any value for value podcast uh, people in the audience stream me sats they send me sats I earn sats. Uh, I earn stats by listening like they do. But if I want to buy advertising on Fountain, I cannot pay them with my sats balance and I cannot pay them with sats or Bitcoin because then they would be converting dollars into Bitcoin for a customer where if they take their own dollars and convert it to Bitcoin and put it into their pool, that's different. And so when I bought, you know, I put a hundred bucks on a clip last week and said, Hey, play this as many times as I can get for a hundred bucks uh, to expose my show. 
I had to pay them with a credit card. So guess what I paid them with? I paid them with my fold card. So I earned it cash back. Nice. Tax deduction for advertising expense, right? Like, but I think that there's a lot of apps that are like, we're just not going to be in this business of going from one form to the other and back because now there's tax implications, there's exchange, there's, right? And if you're going global like they are, they're in every country that has an app, right? Then there's regulatory issues and arbitrage. So like, I think it's just cleaner in the near term. It, it absolutely is. And, you know, I, I don't want to get everybody's hopes up and think we're going to launch Bitcoin funding tomorrow. That's, that's certainly not in the cards, but the, you know, regulatory landscape is changing almost on a daily basis, right? And so if we were to get clearer regulations from the government, if the banking industry were to say, Hey, you know, we're going to adopt this technology and allow some of our banking partners to integrate, um, I, I think we could definitely see that happening. But until that regulatory framework is in place, uh, we do like to keep things separate because it's the, it's the reason that you can't use your reward balance to say buy gift cards, right? Because yeah. then we would be technically selling your Bitcoin to give these companies cash or or whatnot. And it's just we want to play uh, above the board as much as possible so that we can absolutely stay in business. Yeah, as you say, like staying in business is way more important than making Jake Robinson happy. You don't, you don't have to worry about he is. He's our, 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 our friendly neighborhood kick the guy even. He probably doesn't deserve as much as he gets it, but he's got some in the, in the tank there. Um, let's talk another way that we can earn uh, income. You have a thing called the spin squad, which basically means you're rewarded for telling your friends and neighbors about the fold card. How's that work? Absolutely. So when we very first started, we were giving users just a, a flat $25 uh, for, you know, people that referred and then signed up for the spin card. And and it was a little confusing and people would sign up for spin and not spin plus. And so we decided we wanted to simplify it a little bit. Right. And we also wanted to kind of put it at the heart of our gamification and our variable rewards. So we launched the spin squad, which basically means that anybody that you refer that signs up and makes a purchase with their spin card, um, every time they make a purchase, you're rewarded a variable amount anywhere from one to 50 sats every time. So and that's a whole have- variable thing. It's not based on their purchase. It's just like, it's just like you're basically spinning a one to 50 wheel and you could get 50, you could get one. Yep. Absolutely. And so that includes everybody that's in your spin squad. There's no limit. You could have a thousand people in your spin squad, you know, swiping their card and make a pretty nice sum of money um, just from the purchases that other people are making. Now, I do want to stress that these are anonymous purchases. You absolutely do not see who it was. You don't see the amounts. Uh, it is just the sats and the bonus. Um and the other thing is that these rewards are gained over the course of their first year. Um, after one year, the, the benefit drops off. But every new person that you bring on, you get their sats for a year as well. So if you're continuously referring people and people are continuously using your referral link, um, you'll continue to get the Spin Squad rewards. Um, not to be too much of a plug, but you actually have a link that's at the top of your account tab in your app. And all you have to do is copy that and send it to whoever. And if they sign up using that link, they're automatically added to your spin squad. Nothing else has to happen on your end. 
Yeah, and this is like somebody asked me already. It's like this MLM. I'm like, no, it's not. It's, it's, it's the people you refer. It's if you don't want your money, you don't have to have it. Tell them and don't give them your link. But uh, I've had a bunch of people sign up through mine, and I would say if you're out there and you're a podcaster, especially any way related to the crypto space, like I would be telling, I would make sure there's a link in your show notes, and there is in the video notes below. There'll be in the audio notes for mine. Please use it. And then don't worry about your friends and family. For me, you go ahead and sign them up in yours. And it's not a ton of money, but it's, again, like I always say, don't hate money or money will hate you. And if you can earn money passively through other people's actions and you don't do it, you hate money. Um, I want to address something here. Uh, Hunter's is saying, he says, I'm trying to just be able to use it. Getting sats on my milk from Walmart is great, but buying milk with sats is more more good, right? Um, so... I, I, what I like is the way that Guy Swan describes Fold. He said it's fiat done right. Fold is for all the things that you need to pay for in fiat that you can pay for with a Visa debit card. That's what it's for. If you want to spend your Bitcoin, go ahead. I actually don't want to spend my Bitcoin yeah, I, you know, any more than I absolutely have to. I want to hold Bitcoin and spend dollars. And what Fold does is it lets me spend dollars and earn Bitcoin. That's even better. So I, I know some people are trying to kind of get to zero in the fiat world. If that's you, go for it. God bless you. I wish you the best. But that's not what di- like different tech is for different things. I'm not going to take a truck and try to cross the ocean with them. I think a boat or a submarine or a plane, right? So this tech is for spending fiat and earning sats. Yeah, absolutely, and, and that's the. The behavior that we want to encourage, right? We want to encourage people to understand that we are not a bank to here to take your money. What we want to do is we want to help you earn Bitcoin. We want you to earn sats on every purchase that you make using your debit card. And like you said, these are purchases you were going to make anyway. You were going to buy your gas. You were going to buy your milk. You were going to buy your, um, you know, yard supplies, whatever you were going to purchase, you were going to make them anyway. And so just making the small change of using your fold card instead of your Bank of America debit card where they're not giving you anything for spending, you know, your money. Instead, you use your fold card and you get rewarded and then you get rewarded in sats, right? You get rewarded in a currency that is holding your value. You're not getting rewarded in points, which I mean, what is that? Right. Uh, And you're also not getting rewarded with more fiat. You know, we're trying to get away from that. We're trying to get away from this fiat standard. I don't want more of it. It's just going to inflate away. Instead, I have this deflationary asset that I'm earning that over time will continue to grow in value. Um, You know, you look at companies like Lolly that gives you money back when you do um, purchases through their affiliate links works the same way. You know, they get a, a small percentage back and they can pass that along to you in the form of rewards. Some purchases that were made back in 2016 or even 2017 are free today if you look at the value that you earned from your cash back. And, yeah. you know, while I can't promise that that's going to happen with your fold card purchases, you earn 10% back on your Amazon rewards and all of a sudden you get 10x in the price of Bitcoin. Guess what? The amount of Bitcoin you earned is now greater than the amount you spent on that purchase. I, I think that's entirely possible. I mean, we're talking about r- roughly quarter million dollar Bitcoin. I think in the next cycle, if that doesn't happen, I'll be shocked. I don't claim to know the future. Um, I don't give financial advice like a financial advisor or whatever, but uh, there's the old saying, you know, when in doubt, zoom out. 
And when, when you, when you look at Bitcoin in its totality, this current, you know, bear market, down market, whatever they want to call it is just, it's a blip in the radar. And frankly, I think it's a gift. I was actually getting a bit worried. I kept saying, I think it'll, when I was up in the sixties, I'm like, I think it'll come down. And I, then I started to sound more like, well, I think it'll come down. And then it came into the forties. I'm like, I think it's still coming. And like, once I saw that, I'm like, a typical correction in this last cycle from previous cycles should have brought us into the $14,000 range. And it didn't. And, um, I think it's just as time goes on, volatility decreases and that's, Kind of the plan. Like if you read the original white paper, that was like Satoshi's original thesis. He had incredibly inflationary early on and then volatility would decline over time. So I, I think that's a good bet. But here's the thing. You're making a bet with nothing. That's the way I look at something like the fold card right now. This is what I'm hoping. So I have this huge segment of the audience that they love Bitcoin. They love it. And I have a huge segment of the audience that's like, we hate it. It's the new world order. Okay. I can't help you. Right. And I got these people in the middle that are like, well, maybe. And I'm like, well, here's your maybe. Here's, here's how to stack sats doing what you're doing anyway. So I'm hoping we bring some of the reluctant children, uh, on board. I wanted to say Stymie has this comment here and I think there is a mental shift that happens. Like he said, eventually every purchase you make, you'll look at from that angle and figure out how to gain sats back. I do think it takes a mental shift. I was talking about how I bought advertising on Fountain and since I had already set it up linked to PayPal, as soon as I went to buy it, it was like, it just came up and just approved. And I almost, I'm like, no, I need to change payment methods. <laughs> I, I need to change my payment method here because I'm about to give them a hundred bucks that I could earn you know, a whopping dollar in Bitcoin, but it's a dollar in Bitcoin I don't have. And all I have to do is change my payment method. And from now on, I'll use this to make that payment. And, you know, and I think I was telling you, like some of those payments I have, since I've been doing everything I can in it, when I've, I've done the wheel spin, if I have like eight extra spins, I'm like, hell, I'll do it, especially on a small thing. And I've had like one came up and it was earn $1 for every sat you spent, one sat for every dollar you spent in the last 30 days. And it was on like a $4 purchase. And I had bought a vacuum chamber sealer and just paid some bills and all. And I ended up getting like 4,000 sats on like a $4 and some odd cent purchase uh, at the gas station. And yeah. so... It's amazing what you can do if you start thinking that way. It is. And, you know, you once you really go down the rabbit hole, you start looking at all your purchases and sats. Like, you know, do I need to make this purchase or can I save that in sats? Do If I'm going to buy this, like you said, do I want to use my regular card or do I want to use my fold card? How much am I going to earn with this? We We have people that are like, you know, I was going to make this purchase, but I didn't have money in my fold card just yet. So yeah. I waited a couple of days the deposit hit and then I made the purchase. So, you know, delaying these actions, having that time preference where you're like, you know what, I'm going to do what earns me the most sats. Um, yeah. And to kind of, you know, touch on your point that you talked about earlier with the people who may not totally be into Bitcoin yet, you are absolutely correct that you are able to get into this space without any impact to your finances, right? You don't have to use any additional money to start earning Bitcoin and it's, Free Bitcoin, right? You're, you're not buying this. This is given to you just for using your fold card. Now you have some and you can start learning about it. You can start saying, okay, what do I have here? Oh, this is really cool. And then once you, you know, like everybody that finally, when it clicks, they're like, okay, I need to start using this as much as possible so I can stack as many sets as I can get. And I don't know if this is typical, but when I did my first ACH deposit, uh, cause this, you know, I had some, 
problems with one of my debit cards that said, I don't live where I say I live. And <laughs> you did everything you could for me and we, we couldn't rectify it, but it seemed like it took forever. My, but the ACH was simple. All I did was go into my, my bank on my bank side and take your bank information on the fold side and created an account. And I just do it. It's just a transfer, like transferring between your checking and savings, except you're going out. I did that first one. It took like six freaking days. And then I'm like, well, I guess we really need to plan ahead for this. I just did one and it took two. And I think maybe the first time it's going to take longer. I don't know. Maybe my financial institution is like, well, let's make sure <laughs> he really wants to do this or whatever. And, uh, you know, two, three days, like what we do now, my wife and I, you were saying about preference and thinking. We sit down every Sunday and I say, what bills do you want to pay the end of this week? And then I take that plus some for incidentals and I do a transfer for that amount of money. And, you know, of the bills we can pay with a Visa debit card. And I think that that made it really, really easy. Um, this is an interesting question because I think the answer would be no, because it's not about SATs. Hunter said when if VCT, if, if Bitcoin goes to the moon and SATs are worth more, will that create a correction in Fold's rewards? But you're not doing it in SATs as a calculation. It's dollar value. So all you would do is get less SATs, but you would still get 1% of the USD value, right? That's correct. And so that's why, you know, when when Bitcoin was dipping, we had the phrase spin the dip, right? Like when Bitcoin is worth less, you earn more sats because all of our rewards are based on a percentage, not a flat rate. You don't earn, say, 5000 sats when you make a purchase. You earn one percent or two percent. So as Bitcoin goes to the moon, you will see a reduction in the total sats that you receive, but not in the percentage, right? If you still earn that 1%, you're going to get 1%. So if you earned, say, 1% when Bitcoin was all the way down to 17,000, and then Bitcoin goes up to 34,000, if you wanted to look at it that way, you've just earned 2%, right? Because the dollar value of the sats that you earned has doubled. So we, as far as I'm aware, have no plans to reduce the percentages. We just, you know, the, the amount that you earn every time is is based on the price. The sat value is is fluid with the market. It's it's at any given point in time the transaction went through. If there's a spike in price, you get less sats. If there's a dip, you get more. Which would just make this general period of time a great time to be doing this. Is the way I look Fantastic. at it. I think this we're in short term territory. I think in this range, for people that like trade on my advice, that's not advice. That doesn't mean if if I woke up tomorrow and Bitcoin was eighteen grand, I wouldn't have a heart attack. I'd be like, oh okay. I might buy some more. But what I'm saying is our time in this range, I think, is limited now. You know, we're, we're halfway to the next halving. And I do believe historical cycles have been very consistent uh, for Bitcoin. Um, well, let's start a little bit. Like one of the other ways we can actually get funds in the fold is using direct deposit, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> kind of to touch on the on the funding aspects that you mentioned, uh, yeah. the ACH transfers, unfortunately they still run on the old legacy payment rails, right? Like they yeah. still have to go from bank to bank, to the federal, to the bank, to the bank, to your account, yeah. right? There's so many stops along the way, which is why it takes so long to get there. Uh, some of the things that we do though, once you have done a few ACH transfers, they were successful. Your bank was cooperating, you know, they sent the funds, everything was correct. Uh, we actually have a company that we work with, Astra, that does these transfers. And once you have that successful history, they can help front load your, 
you know, transfer a little bit. They can say, okay, we see the transfer. It's currently pending. But instead of making you wait ah. for that to clear for the next three or four days, we'll go ahead and give you access. And that, you know, that transfer will clear into the account within one or two days. Um, but you can also do um, the instant debit funding, which we are, it's still a fairly new feature that we've launched. And so just like everything else, we want to make sure that it is sound, that there are no issues with it. You know, as you said, you ran into the problem with the address verification. Yeah. And it's again, it's one of those things where the network is so fragmented across all of these different processes that, you know, we can say, hey, is this person's address correct? And if they say no, we can't be like, well, you're lying. <laughs> you know, we, we have to work within that system. Um, but you can also do direct deposit. And a lot of people don't realize that you don't have to direct deposit your whole paycheck. You can if you want to, right? Because then if you spend everything through your fold card, you're giving yourself a percent raise on every single time that you spend your card. Uh, but you can also do small percentages. You can do 10%. Uh, some companies even let you do dollar amounts like, hey, I would like to have $100 of every paycheck deposited to this account. Yeah. Um, and that allows you to dip your toe in like we talked about. Right. You're like, OK, well, I'm not so sure about this. Let me see how it works. OK, I got my hundred dollars. That was easy. You get it on payday. So you're not sitting waiting until Monday or Tuesday to get your funds. And then you're like, oh. Well, I paid for my gas. That was really easy. And what we find is once people have had a couple successful direct deposits, their deposit amounts generally increase. Yeah. Once they start figuring out, I can just pay for all this stuff. Like it's not for your savings account, guys, right? It's for your money that you know will be spent. I always talk about the three buckets of money. There's immediate, midterm and, and long-term savings. So immediate is any money I earn this month that will be gone by the 30th, 31st, 28th, depending on what kind of month it is, right? That's immediate money. And, like, that's money I never put in anything volatile. I, that's fiat, right? And so if I know it's going to be spent, like I have a monthly budget, and you should, everything that can be spent on the fold card, you can go ahead and put that in there and spend it. And then you can add with the debit card or ACH for your incidentals. Um, then you have your intermediate money, and to me, that's your savings account. That's your money I might spend this month, next month, or the month after, and I have 90 days worth of savings, and this is in case the car explodes, the kid breaks his neck, his arm falling out of the tree or whatever, right? And then that, I also am going to hold that in fiat, and then and, and non-volatile fiat, and then all that other money, that's your investments, that's your securities, that's your Bitcoin that you're, you're, you're holding long. And so the money we're talking about here is that, that number one bucket money. And like I said, once you gain confidence that, hey, this actually works, because, you know, my audience is natural for preppers. We're naturally <laughs> skeptical of anything. Uh, like I said, I've been using this three weeks. I've had no problems with it. And what really sold me is my web admin who takes care of all my technical stuff for me, who I obviously trust because he literally has the keys to the TSPC Kingdom. Um, he's like, oh, I've been using it over a year. I've earned millions of dollars in, or millions of, not millions of dollars, millions of sats. Uh, back on everything, and I'm like, okay, if Tom's there's Tom right there. If Tom says it's cool, it's cool. It has to be. Yeah, absolutely. And and the the earning potentials are just as much as you put in there. And like you said, we're not trying to replace your bank. We're not trying to replace your savings. But what we are trying to do is just give you sets back on the purchases that you're going to make anyway. These are purchases that you are going to spend. Why not make your money work for you? Yeah. 
Jake's asking a question. I'm going to say not going to touch that one. <laughs> that that's some that's some shady sounding shit right there. I'm not doing. It. He wants to know if he, he could have his renter direct deposit their rent into a fold account. I would. Yeah. I yeah. No. I would direct deposit no. anything from somebody else's. No. Not only that, but there are obviously one of the things with finance are security measures and the things yeah. that you know our banks check is, is this money coming from an account that matches the account holder? Yeah. Um, and so that can obviously cause problems, you know, if you're having somebody try to deposit money into your account. Now, what you can have them do is deposit it into your account yeah. and then move the money onto your fold card. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah but, I know. I, 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 I'm going to tell you right now with the security measures in place, it's not going to work. Um, I have one card that won't be approved, and we don't know why. I called; it's a PayPal debit card. I called PayPal; they confirmed the address. You tried to help me on the back end, and I think one thing people need to understand about a business like Fold, you have to be ultra conservative from a security standpoint. You just you have to be. There is no way around it. There's too much potential for fraud, or there's too much potential for error if you're not incredibly tight on your security. Absolutely. And and to be honest, you know, one of the things that we take very, very seriously is the security of your funds. And so being a startup, we have, you know, a lower ability to absorb any kind of fraud than, say, some of the major players in the game, like, you know, Cash App that has Square behind it that can, you know, handle those types of situations. And so we definitely have to be uh, leaning more on the conservative side and say, hey, does everything on this lined up? There's no room for like fuzziness. There's no room for like any kind of errors because we want to a make sure that nobody's taking money from you to use on our app. You know, that that's something that we want to make sure too. like the person asking about their renter. We want to make sure that 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 person isn't gaining access to somebody else's money and trying yeah. to spend it with us. Yeah. Right. So we Absolutely. take those things very seriously. Um. I was saving questions for the end, really, but one's come up so many times even before we started. I'll go ahead and ask you now. Uh, one thing people have asked about is, like, a joint access. Like, I'm married. I have a wife. If I want to have an additional PayPal debit card with my wife's name on it so we can draw funds from the same source, all I have to do is fill out a thing on PayPal. They send me one. We have joint bank accounts. So we just – one says Dorothy, one says Jack, right? Um, I don't see that option with Fold. Is that not available? It is not currently available, mainly because we still are operating in that regulatory space, um, and our cards are prepaid cards. They don't draw from an actual account, right? You're not an account that's attached to a debit card. This is a, a prepaid account. And so there are certain things that we have to follow, right? There are, are just KYC implications, AML. Um, it's it, it's kind of a regulatory nightmare that we're that we're still – you know, moving through. But what I can say is that, like I mentioned earlier, we are in the process of launching a credit card. Mm. And with credit cards, we have a much wider range of financial services that we can offer. And I can't be 100% certain because the program hasn't launched yet, but I assume that when with credit cards, just like with any other credit card, you can have authorized users such as, you know, spouses or, you know, kids or, or whatever else that you want to have on there, obviously if they're over 18, but <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so with the debit card, I, I don't see that happening anytime soon, uh, yeah. but hopefully once we launch that credit card, those features would be available. And Tom mentions you can just share the app login and use it from your phone. So there's a virtual credit card 
in the app and it, it's obfuscated and there's like you have to log in, open up your app and uh, that's you on your security, however you manage security on your phone. But once you're in the app, you can hit the little uh, eye and all the credit card data shows up. So I actually used wow. my full plus card before I got the physical card. And then the other thing I would say is like, so it's it, assuming this would mostly apply to married couples. If your wife's going to the store, just give her your card. And since it can run as credit or debit, as long as she has the pin. And, and I don't know about you. The last time someone asked to see my ID when I used a credit card at a store was forever ago. I wasn't gray yet. That's, that's how long ago that is. So, you know, just, I, I know you could be somewhere and there somewhere else and all, but like now one of the things that somebody asked, they, you know, would it be better for them just both to get their own card? That's fine. Except the problem is if you're doing the plus thing, then you have two fees in a common budget. And that, that I think is the main reason people are even asking this question. If full plus was free, you know, Oh, there's a plan. What if you created your spouse automatically gets a free plus account or something like that? That would be a way around. Like, I believe in jujitsu, man. You figure out how to, ch to channel flow, right? Like, I guess that you would know, be the own thing. That, that's absolutely something that, you know, we could take back to the team and, and investigate. You know, we're always looking for ways to, to help increase both adoption and user ability. Um, and so that's absolutely something that we can explore as far as ways to bring them into the fold um into the fold family uh, and i know we're speculating on the credit card thing but i would imagine that if i had the fold credit card and the fold debit card in the app i'm just going to be able to pay my credit card bill with my debit card <laughs> right i mean <clears throat> i mean uh, that's something that i wouldn't be able to speculate on because i'm not okay. sure most likely the the way that we see it is you know our spin plus users will be granted access to the credit card option and so they'll be able to say I'd rather do credit card or debit card cuz uh in theory the way that we're at now is we envision them working the same you know making purchases and making spins um there are some regulatory hurdles with paying credit cards with other cards um they they do kind of frown on that sometimes um, so it'll just be up to whatever is available once the card actually launches. Got it. Got it. So let's switch gears just a little bit here. When I approached Fold and they were like, yeah, we'll have somebody come on the show. And they're like, who do you want to come on? I'm like, I don't know. I just reached out because you're Fold. I don't know anybody there. And, uh, they sent you because you have as part, you know, part of your whole journey and, and shifting careers and all, you've actually dug into homesteading. Right. And you've got your own place now and all. And I always like to ask this question because I find this way above the percentage of what's normal of people that make that journey within the crypto space. Like I would say, like, you know, homesteaders, anybody that's kind of into the gardening, homesteading, livestock, anything that fits in that realm. We're probably five percent of society. But I find among like Bitcoiners, we're more like 25, 30 percent of Bitcoiners. But I don't think it starts out that way. I don't think like just like. 25, 30% of homesteaders become Bitcoiners and they're all the Bitcoiners. It's like tons of people come into Bitcoin. Nothing to do with any of this homestead, gardening, good eating, you know, self-reliance stuff at all. And a huge percentage of them relative to the general population migrate across. Do you see a commonality there? Absolutely. And I, 
I think it's more about our ability to look at the big picture, like we talked about, zoom out, right? And so we're able to look at things like, where is fiat going? Oh, man, it's not going anyplace good. We're looking for ways to future-proof our wealth. And so anybody who has that ability to look at the world around us and say, you know, if we were in a a functioning society, right, If, if everything was going well, if everybody was fed and everybody had money and everything was equal and, you know, things were going well, there wouldn't really be a need for homesteading, right? Because we would we would not have this fear of the future. I wouldn't say fear, but we would not have this possibility of the future of things collapsing to the point that we need to be self sufficient. But that's just not the world that we live in. And so when we zoom out and we say, okay, you know what? I do want to be self-sufficient. I think that self-sufficiency translates to Bitcoin as well, because I don't like somebody else having control of my money. I don't like somebody else being able to take my money. I don't like somebody else being able to devalue my money. I want to have control, just like I don't like people messing with my food. I don't like people, you know, doing all of these things that are harmful to me that I don't have a choice of. And so I think there is a big overlap in those two communities in which we want to be self-sovereign and self-sovereign by homesteading, growing your own food, you know, tilling your own land, you know, raising your own livestock and also self-sovereign in controlling your money, verifying the money supply, verifying that your money is yours and nobody else can touch it. Yeah. And I'll add to it. I think that part of it is you get into Bitcoin. I think most people, if they're honest, They get in Bitcoin because they hear about it and number go up and maybe I can make some money with this, right? And then some people stay in that space, but most people eventually go, especially as that stack builds and the the value of it builds, like, oh, this is interesting now. When I had a couple hundred bucks, it was like a lottery ticket. Now I got like, you know, when you get up into like five, ten grand range especially and then beyond that, like, wait a minute, this is interesting now. And then you start thinking, "Do do I leave it? You know, if you're still thinking of gambling, you're like, do I leave it ride or do I cash out, right? Because <laughs> you're probably thinking to me, if I throw 200 bucks in here and it's worth 10 grand, I'm out. But then you start saying, well, I maybe I need to know a little bit more before I start making decisions with this amount of money. And for some people, it might be the most amount of money that they've ever held in their possession in one time in their life. So they start pulling at it to find out what it is. And then they realize, like, if somebody said to me, define Bitcoin. In a, in a short sentence, I would say Bitcoin is truth. That that's what Bitcoin really is. It's truth. And it, that would be something you wouldn't understand unless you already did. But once you do, you start saying, well, since this is truth and money is a lie, like fiat is a lie. It's not money. You, when, what somebody said the other day about, you know, like, you think you have money in a bank account, but you don't. And they said, well, what do you really have? And I said, what you have is a claim on debt that, that you have to have permission from the government and the bank to use. That's what you have. So you realize that money itself is a lie. Okay, well, if money is a lie, then you start saying, well, what else is a lie? So you're like, well, maybe, you know, and I was, I weighed almost 300 pounds about four years ago. And I'm not on the cover of GQ or anything, but I, I ate 300 pounds, right? And like, this was a diet, like high in fat, high in meat. So you said, well, maybe they lie about food. Maybe they lie about medicine. Maybe they lie about the food supply. Maybe they lie about the supply chain. And then if something like the COVID comes along and the whole supply chain goes to shit, you're like, I think they do lie about the supply <laughs> chain, right? And then, they, well, maybe they lie about inflation because their solution to inflation is now to spend three quarters of a trillion more dollars we don't have. That seems like a lie. So I think what happens is 
you go on this quest for truth. And I think truth leads back to I need to take better care of myself, better care of my family. I need to be able to take better care of myself and my family if things go wrong. Maybe it's not the apocalypse. Maybe it's not collapse. But maybe it's like just maybe something totally shits the bed of the economy for two years and we need to be okay at the end of it. Gee, maybe it'd be great if not only if the economy shit the bed, we were okay, but we had opportunity capital sitting by ready to capitalize when everybody else is losing their minds. And I think it leads to homesteading. It leads to better eating. It leads to all these things because if we start, if we find truth in one place and, and for those that are maybe new to Bitcoin and don't get what I mean by Bitcoin, the reason Bitcoin is truth is because there's thousands of people out there and my, cord won't quite reach. There's a node right here. There's a little node running running the entire Bitcoin blockchain right there. My hand's touching it right now. And that node is cooperating with thousands upon thousands of other nodes and miners and their nodes all across the world simultaneously. And they're all saying, this is the block we're on. This is the this is the condition of the network. And you can look all the way back to the Genesis block. Right. And, you know, for a fact, this is what you can say anything you want. But what you can't say it is not that it's not what it says it is. And I think for a lot of people, the first time in their life, they realize I actually know the full truth about this thing. I could be wrong about my assertions of that, but the truth itself is evident. And I have custody. This is mine. People tell me all the time, I'm afraid the government's going to seize Bitcoin. I'm like, well, then you don't understand Bitcoin. <laughs> like, you don't. Like every time they say they seized or hacked, no, they took money off an exchange. Like, or they like raided somebody's house and threatened them for their keys or something. You have 12 words in your head. You can get on a plane with nothing but a pair of underwear, get off at another country, download a wallet, stick 12 words in it, and you have access to your funds. And so the, the level of truth that is begets that we must find the truth in other things. You're, you're absolutely correct. And, and it is one of the reasons that led me to, to homesteading is realizing that, that truth, right? Because I, prior to coming into the crypto space, I was also pretty oblivious to everything that was going on around me. And then just like you mentioned, I first got involved because numbers go up and I found a, a an amount of money that I had never seen personally before. Um, and it set me down this path and it has led me to this point. I, you know, set goals for myself because I rode the up in 2017 and saw more money than I had ever seen in my life at the top and then watched it all go down during the crash in 2018. Right. <laughs> and that's, that's a, that's a powerful thing to have happen to somebody who's never had money their whole life. Yeah. Right. Cause you look at it and you're like, man, I lost this opportunity. But then you start learning about the technology during this time and you're like, Oh man, okay. There's cycles to it. There's things and you learn about it. And then, you know, the next rise happens and you're like, oh, man, I've been here before. Um, and so that's that's, you know, what we did here is in May of last year, while Bitcoin was up and my whole portfolio was up, we said we are going to go ahead and take a little bit out of this and we're going to set ourselves up for the future. We're not going to spend all of it. We're not going to cash out. But I have enough that I can help set up my future, not just financially, but also physically, right? We bought a farm, paid full for it. We own it. Enough land to raise our, our animals, got chickens. You know, we have enough tillable land planting trees. Um, and so now I have leveraged this technology to not only improve my life, but I still have savings, right? Like I still yeah. have enough to be financially secure going forward. 
And so yeah. it absolutely does overlap in that sense. Yeah. And I think sometimes people like, I want to hold my Bitcoin forever, but there are things that might make me decide to break a piece off it and invest it another way. And I think one of the things people have to get their head around, and this is why Bitcoin creates saving, is that you're always spending Satoshis. When you're spending fiat, you're spending Satoshis. And people have a hard time understanding it. What I mean is, if I go out, like, let's say I like this coffee cup, and I want to buy this coffee cup, and this coffee cup is $10, and I buy that coffee cup. I can buy that cup, coffee cup, or I can go on my strike app. I can deposit $10, and I can buy $10 worth of Bitcoin and move it to my self-custody wallet in a matter of under one minute flat. And I chose to buy that coffee cup instead of buy that Bitcoin. And that's okay, too. Because if you want to see a $24,000 shotgun, I have one laying against the wall <laughs> over there. And, and to be fair, it's probably worth about $2,000. It is a beautiful uh, pre-World War II Browning uh, Auto A5 that I got when Bitcoin was $600-ish, and I got it for one Bitcoin. Because the guy wanted, he wanted to get into Bitcoin, and he had no money in the gun. And so when I made that trade, everybody that watched that trade at that point in time said that, well, that was a great deal for you. Now everybody <laughs>, laughs at me, and they're like, you're so stupid. You you know, you pay $24,000. No, I paid $600 for that shotgun when I bought it. I could have, and I wish I would have, the next day, because I would have gave him 600 cash. He didn't want it. In fact, somebody had 700 cash on the on the. It was a barter blanket deal, and 700 cash sitting there. And I said, I'll do a Bitcoin, and I'll teach you how to put it in your own wallet. And so I got that. All I had to do was buy that Bitcoin the next day, and I didn't. And that's where people really need to start thinking. And I think this is part of the reason. And if people don't believe me when I say this. I think this is part of the reason people avoid going down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. Because they know that change will be uncomfortable when the mind tells you that's what you're doing. When you sit there and go, I could have this thing or I could move it to my stack. It's the same thing with nutrition. People don't want to accept the nutrition thing because it's like, I'm going to have to think before I put the ding dong in my mouth. Right. <laughs> like, and, but I think it's a very good transformation. And I think it's create like uh, the millennials are becoming a generation of savers because of Bitcoin and to a lesser degree, crypto as a whole. I mean, it has absolutely changed the way that I handle my money uh, for that exact reason, right? Because uh, I think everybody who's been in Bitcoin long enough has a story like that. I, too, have a story in which I was on some uh, hard times when I first started my journey and had to go to a Bitcoin ATM and uh, withdrew about uh, $1,200 from the ATM. And it was about uh, 0.7 Bitcoin. Mm. And so, you know, you look back on that and you're like, man, that was that was not the best trade I've ever made in my life. Yeah. Um, and so now when you think about things, you're like, OK, I could go and do this, like you said, buy that coffee cup. But at the same time, what am I really doing? Is, is that a necessity or could I take that money and buy Bitcoin with it? But then you also have to make sure you take it that step further. If you do decide to say, I'm not going to do that then you actually do have to follow through and buy that Bitcoin. And that's, you know, something we, uh, in 2018, my wife and I, we basically threw away or sold everything that we owned and struck off across country. And when you're throwing away things and you realize just how much stuff that you have that you absolutely did not need that served absolutely no purpose in your life, and you think about all of the money that it cost you, you then translate that into Bitcoin. Man, I spent $200 on this and, 
It sat on a shelf and collected dust and didn't do anything for me. Whereas if I had saved that money, I could have, you know, helped prepare myself for future for future wealth generation. And so now I have moved from a consumer and a spender to absolutely a saver. See, and people throw a word around like hoarding and they have no idea what they're talking about. Because the concept is we actually need an inflationary currency because it creates a, a society of spenders and we need spending to have monetary velocity. And so then the converse becomes then uh, a deflationary currency creates a society of hoarders, which is just a, a way to try to make savor into a derogatory statement. Like to earn value, you have to do something of value. And then by holding value, you actually take risk, even with a def- like, will it really go up in value over time? And while you're holding currency or money, you're not consuming resources that money could be consuming. So I think the way you look at it is inflationary economies create short term time preference, spending, borrowing and leverage to the, the length of insanity. And therefore, they create shortages of resources. If you have abundant money, you have a resource shortage. But if you have scarce money, you have resource abundance. So to me, deflationary currencies create a value economy. I'll spend my money, but I have to actually see value in the transaction. So now if I'm building a car, I'm less concerned about, hey, we have great 0.9% financing and you get a free toaster right, (laughs) or some shit like that. And I'm more concerned about like, so I have to build a car that when Jack buys it, he knows he's going to be able to drive it for 20 years. That's that's what I have to build now. I have to build, like, if you look at, like, and hard money does this. If you look at architecture is a great example. The first time I went to Manhattan and I saw some of these old churches from the 1800s, I wasn't even thinking about, this is the 90s, right? I'm not even thinking about money back then. I'm thinking about closing deals. But I still stood in awe at the architecture and like the sculpture facade on the outside and realized like some guy climbed up there and like chiseled this thing in marble for like two years hanging on a harness. And there was probably a hundred guys on that building doing that. And I look at modern architecture and go, it's crap. Well, when they built that church, I mean, Bitcoin to me has surpassed gold now, but at the time gold was the hardest thing we had in the form of a monetary instrument that was built when gold was money. And these prefab, no character, no longevity, no beauty things that we build today are built on fiat. And you can just look and see the difference. The uh, Cathedral of Notre Dame has been there for centuries, and it was built with hard money. There's, like Michael Seller was talking about, how there's a guy sitting in front of the, the Cathedral de Notre Dame selling water bottles whose concession to be able to sell there goes back to when it was being built that that's the kind of longevity built into the value of that, that his family has handed that down for hundreds of years. And we don't build like that today, but I think we could like, you can either have scarce money and abundant everything or abundant money and scarce everything. I I absolutely agree. And that's, that's obviously one of the things that we like to try and, you know, reach out to people with the, with fold is that this money that you're earning this is something that you may be able to pass down, right? Like I now have Bitcoin enough that I hope that I will not have to have a need to spend it or spend all of it and will be able to leave it to my children. And then as it grows over time, hopefully they could pass it down to their children and, and so on and yeah. so forth uh, because we are building a future and hopefully it will be a future based on hard money 
and things that are of value. Because once you realize that the fiat that you're spending is is not beneficial and is not benefiting society and it's not benefiting you and you know we've lost eight percent of our purchasing power in a single year and, and that's just what's reported let's be honest but yeah that's you know, cpy stuff right there yeah right exactly uh and then you look at bitcoin and you're like you know i can look at the math i may not understand all absolutely the technical aspects of bitcoin but i also don't understand completely the technical aspects of the car or or the internet but i use it on a daily basis Right. So you don't have to be an expert in this to understand the core principles. Right. Like this is something that you are building. It's built to last. It is baked in. You can verify it. Nobody's going to go in and tinker with it. This is something that is is going to be here. Like you said, those people that built the cathedral, it is still here hundreds of years today. Try to find me modern buildings that are going to last that long. They're not. They're not. They're just not. We don't build anything with that kind of longevity. Uh, what I've said is it's bringing back seven generational thinking. That, you know, when you start thinking seven generations out, you're in a totally different realm. If you start thinking like, what is seven generations back? So my grandparents came to the United States from the Ukraine at the turn of the 18th to 1800s to the 1900s. So that's three. So go back three more, you're at six. Go one more, you're at seven. So that's that's my ancestors wandering somewhere around the, the region that was known as Ukraine, Romania, Poland at the time, uh, and probably, you know, scraping to get by hand to mouth, and then all the way out to me. And the amazing opportunities I had in this country growing up as a Gen Xer because my great-grandparents put their kids on a boat and came to America at a time when you had to really want it to get it done. And so if we can start thinking forward that way again, and I think that what what we lost over the last hundred years with, with inflation, fake money was that foresight. Like if you want, like I'm an eighties kid, the, the, the decade of decadence and just YOLO and screw it, like was the 1980s. And that became like a marketing message that stuck with us for 40 more years. Right. We had 40 years of this and we still are living with it. But all of a sudden people are starting to think about when I die, there'll be something left instead of when when my when my parents die. I hope I get something. We, we flip that at this point. Anyway, I'd like to hit a few um, questions here. Sure. I, I just took a bunch off because we answered so many as we went through. Um, this is an interesting one. Spice says, is the fold card available to Americans living in Europe? So currently the fold card itself is only available to U.S. citizens that have both a U.S. phone number and a U.S. address. Um, That is because they have to pass the bank's KYC and AML, you know, regulatory checks. So unfortunately, if they are living abroad and currently reside at a foreign address, uh, they wouldn't be able to provide the information that would allow them to get the card. Okay. All right. So next one is, will there be an option to load with services like from Cash App? I get an error saying I can't link the debit card because the institution charges fees and linking via ACH in Cash App says invalid account. So <clears throat> one of the downsides of being a prepaid debit card, which the banking industry is not extremely happy about, uh, as well as being a company that handles Bitcoin, is that there are some features that are just not supported. Um, the unfortunate side is most prepaid cards cannot be used to fund other prepaid cards. Yeah. Um, and that is, that is a lot to do with like AML because, yeah, okay. you know, it's, it's a little bit easier to say get a prepaid card than it is to open an actual bank account. 
Sure. And so one of the ways that they try to limit that is limiting the functionality that you can do with prepaid cards like Cash App. Gotcha. Um, so it, it is an unfortunate part of the legacy system. And, you know, in in time as, as that sector continues to grow, because it does seem to be a, a growing sector, right? We're seeing all these prepaid cards come out. Um, hopefully we will see um, we will see some progress there. And, and the same thing with the ACH. Uh, there are lots of banks even that, you know, part of the ACH number and the routing number, it identifies it as a prepaid account. Okay. Some banks just say, no, we don't deal with those. So if it says that it's invalid, it's, it's not invalid because, you know, we have tens of thousands of people that use it all the time. It's that the bank is saying that it's invalid for use in their system. Um, and unfortunately, we just don't have a way to circumvent that. We can't, we just can't force them to do it. Fair enough. I like I had a really great week last week in the business and I was like, I'm gonna buy two hundred bucks worth of Bitcoin just and add to my stack. And I was I when I'm using small amounts, I, I usually use strike because it's so quick and fast and easy. And so I was about to buy with strike and deposit, and I'm like, wait a minute. So I was like, Well, I wonder if I can add my fold card as a funding source for strike. The answer is no. And it's probably something similar like that because, you know, they're all thinking, though, I, I do think there's a like maybe some people in those two organizations need to be talking <laughs> to each other. I'm just saying, like, because they're coming out with a card themselves soon and I don't think it'll be prepaid. So there seems like maybe because a lot of my audience, for instance, is putting a significant amount of their paycheck into strike to buy Bitcoin. Well, they could be cross funding. Uh, possibly, right. uh, but, but on that to defend you guys with like a lot of people like, well, why not this one? Jack Mahler's uh, founder and and uh, I think CEO of Strike said flat out in one of the talks I listened to him do recently. He's had people come up to him, kind of back channel, and say like, Jamie Dimon is not going to compete with you in the marketplace. He's going to compete with you at K Street and in DC. And they've geared up heavy on the legalistic side for that. And I think that everybody's impatient. Everybody just like, just do it. You know, like I was going to do a thing years ago with funding some property and having investors and a guy from uh, the FTC said, they'll put you in prison if you do that. And I'm like, well, then I'm not going to do that. <laughs> he was like, I love what you're doing. I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but it's, it, it will. And I would have never done it anyway because I had lawyers going over it, but he came up to me before that happened at an event and I had people just saying, just do it. I'm like, well, you're not the one going to Club Fed. I'm not going to Club Fed for you. I'm not having my business shut down, right, for you. And I think that we need to have a little bit of patience with some of this stuff because some of it we're still we're still working out ourselves. Like, they're in this space every day, companies go, it's not clear, but it seems like it's okay, so we're going to do it and risk paying a fine. Like, and you can only do that in so many places at one time and put so much risk in the game. Yeah, and we're <clears throat> we're also at the mercy of the banking partners that are willing to work with us because we handle Bitcoin. And so a lot of those restrictions are things where the bank says, hey, these are our policies. We don't allow, you know, our our card issuers, uh, our card members to buy things that are called like quasi cash, which are things that are easily convertible to cash, ah. which again falls into that like AML bucket, right? Like what we don't want somebody doing is opening up a fold card, funding it really quick, buying some Bitcoin. And then all of a sudden there's no way to recover those funds, right? Those funds, once they go into Bitcoin, that's it. You're, they're not getting them back ever. There's no, 
you know, way to press the reset button. That's a that's a complete loss. And so the way that a lot of banks prevent that is just by blocking certain transactions. And at Fold, we would love to be like, yeah, absolutely, every single transaction approved, but we we still are at the mercy of the legacy banking system. Yeah, yeah. Um, question on Fold Support. How is Fold Support? I can't get logged in after entering the email pinned number. Just tells me to try again later. Tom already directed him to y'all's Discord, but is there some higher level of support if someone's kind of stuck or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to our uh, foldapp.com website, and there's a support option to reach out to us and support. Uh, you can actually email us directly at support at foldapp.com. Uh, for any issues, um, we have a great team on standby, and you generally receive a response within at least 24 hours. So let's see. David says, I'm trying to see what David says. Uh, ah, okay, I, this really wasn't a question, but it, it did make me want to maybe bring this to your attention. So David was saying, like, he had been advised you can use the virtual card. And he said, but he can't use that to, like, tap to pay at a register. But there if there is a way, I think, to be able to use the virtual card at a, a merchant directly, is, is there or is there not? Because you would email me something and I didn't really look into it because I'm like, I'm just not going to do that. <laughs> so the virtual card is generally usable like for online purchases or anywhere you would like type in your card. Uh, yeah. We do have some reports of people that were maybe able to add it to like an Apple Pay wallet. And then if Apple Pay has like an NFC um, you know, tap to pay uh -huh. on your phone that, that might be able to pull the funds that way. But generally we issue a virtual card just so that you're not locked out of your funds completely, right? Like if you lose your card, we don't want you to have to wait until whenever to pay like your Netflix bill or your, you know, anything that might be auto drafted on your account. So you can use that virtual card to, you know, shore up those auto pays until your physical card arrives. And I would caution people, if you take that card information, you put it onto a regularly charged event to think ahead and make sure the funding's there, right? That's just something that you, you got to, you know, you got to think about because if you've been running it on a credit card, you don't even worry about it. You just pay the bill when it comes in. Uh, how long does it usually take to get the fold card once you apply from Paul? So <clears throat> the standard response that we give is about 10 to 14 business days. Um, and the reason that we put it out that long is because, again, we we don't send them out ourselves. They're issued from the bank um, and then also through USPS. And depending on where you live, if you're close to the USPS station, you know, it could take them five to seven business days alone just to deliver the card. Um, and then it does take the bank time to, you know, generate the card, print it out, have it go out with the mail. Uh, so if you haven't received it in that time, feel free to reach out to us. Um, you know, things get lost in the mail. It does arrive in a plain white envelope and some people that, you know, might look at it and think, oh, okay, I'm going to go ahead. Mail. This is just junk and, and it yeah. gets tossed. So, uh, are we ever going to be able to link the card to budgeting software? I guess if you're using it in your business, that simplifies your accounting. I don't know about that, but I will say one of the things that Tom told me you can do, I haven't done it yet, but you can link your fold card to PayPal as a funding source. And that way you can use the exportable data from PayPal. But the other side of that is you would have to be paying bills to accept PayPal because if you use a PayPal debit card, it's going to pull for your PayPal funds. You don't get to choose your source. But when you pay online with PayPal, you can say, pull from my bank account, pull from my balance, pull from this other card. And any thoughts on that? Sure. So the, the main blocker here is that a lot of the reporting software goes through a company called Plaid, which links your actual account to the reporting software. 
And because we're a prepaid card, you don't have an official bank account with our supporting bank, Sutton Bank. Um, and so there's not really currently a way to link the two services. Um, the easiest way that we have at the moment is that you can actually download a CSV file directly from the app. And then you can upload that every month into your reporting software uh, to kind of keep track of those finances. Cool. Well, man, you've given us almost an hour and a half. I, I want to thank you so much. This was a great discussion on Fold and on uh, Bitcoin in general, a little bit on homesteading. Uh, certainly, uh, as new things are available with Fold, you guys are welcome to reach out to me. Uh, I'll make sure that there's links for the Fold app, y'all's Twitter, Discord, and blog uh, in the, the, the notes. Uh, the notes, that, or there's a link down below. There's a bunch of cool links down below, all kinds of yummy links. You should <laughs> check down there in the video notes and click on all those links to find out what's there. But the audio version of the podcast will go out about one hour from right now if you're watching us live, and that'll have links to all of the good Fold stuff, including my spin squad, so you can join my spin squad if you want to do that. <laughs> And, uh, again, uh, Jeremy, thanks for being with us today. No problem. Thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. It's a great conversation with a great guest. Please do me a favor. If you're going to get the Fold app now, don't just go to the App Store and look for it. Join my spin squad. We talked about that today a bit. Uh, just go to today's episode, uh, which, again, is uh, 3146. If you are uh, uh, listening to TSP, if you're on the Bitcoin Breakout it's episode 15. There'll be a link in the show notes. Remember, if you're on my email distribution list, you would know all of this anyway. You can also click on the link in the video version of the podcast. But it'd be really great if you joined my spin squad. And then tell your friends and family and neighbors all about this thing. Go ahead and use it first. See if it does what I really say it does. Then you can confidently recommend it. You can build your own spin squad. This is a great way. This is viral marketing, guys, is all that it is. This is a new way to do business in fiat. I really hope you took to heart what I said. If you're not using this to pay your bills. Now, let me be fair, because people are like, well, I use this, and I get this cash back, and it's 2% instead of one and a half or whatever. Okay, that's fine. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. If you are spending money that you could be getting cash back on in any form without getting cash back on it, you hate money. And if you hate money, money will hate you. So don't do that. So if you're not gaming this system, game a system, please. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and uh, remind you guys, another way you can help support this show is by doing your online shopping at a little short URL, which is tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. Today's item of the day is one I haven't brought around for a little bit over a year. It's a book. It's called The Art of War by Sun Tzu. And when I brought this around back in early 2001, there was a lot of crap going on. There was a lot of melt, actually early 2000, a lot of crap going down, meltdowns in the cities. And I was yelling, get out, get out, get out of the major, what I call flashpoint cities. I still think that's a good message. I still think you should. I, I, I think that the time to get out continues to get shorter and more difficult as the real estate trap continues to spring. And I think some of these cities are really beyond salvation. But on the other side of it, what I actually see now is a lot of people thinking if we just pick the right political ass clowns this time as Charlie Brown tries to kick the football again, everything will get better. Some things might get better, some things might get worse. I don't know, but I know this. There is a lesson in the art of war. 
that you choose the time and the place and the circumstances of a battle or you don't fight it. Okay, And I'm going to tell you right now that we are at a point where the battle is for your freedom and your liberty. And the time and the place and the circumstances is not getting involved in a political shit-throwing contest. Because if you get into a political shit-throwing contest, I promise you, you will get covered with political shit. And it will not help your liberty and your freedom. What I wanted to do, though, as I finish it, I want to tell you a little bit about how I first became aware of this book. Way back in 1992, I was on a long deployment, 180 plus days, to a little place called the Aguan River Valley in very, very rural Honduras. Calling this place rural literally lifts it above where it is. This is like nowheresville. We were building a road, and we were stuck on this camp. It was about a 10-acre camp surrounded by Constantina wire. And all we did was work, sleep, and work more. And my first sergeant at the time was actually a sergeant first class who was also our, our, our medical officer. And he would do things like he kind of selected a group of us and he would give us books and say, you guys are going to read these books and we're going to talk about it. And if you haven't read the book and you can't talk about it, I'll give you extra duty. Now, I guess some of my fellow soldiers, they needed that kind of threat. I would go work or read. I'll, I'll maybe have a beer or two. I'm going to have a beer and read. So I was happy to read this stuff. And one of the books he gave me was this book. And when he gave me this book, I think he was doing it for two reasons. One, he was one of the really great senior NCOs, older guy. He was in his 30s. That makes you old as shit when you're dealing with 20-somethings and teenagers in the military. You're an old man. And he believed his, his job, especially being in the medical side of things, was to help keep people alive. And that was one reason he did it. But there was another reason he gave it to me. This is what he said to me when he gave it to me. I'm paraphrasing here because this is almost 30 years now. He said, Spirico, our nation's not as strong as many people think. Our weakness is not our military, it's ourselves. We're spoiled-ass adult children. Someday it's likely that all of, a, all of this is going to bite us in the ass and we're going to turn on each other. He pointed to the rabble of poverty around us. And in this place, it was extensive. He said, people think this can't happen in our country, but there are places like this in our country right now. I'll remind you, this is 1992. No one looks at them. They pretend they don't exist. It's like a cancer we refuse to treat. And when you don't treat cancer, it metastasizes, it spreads, it eventually takes over the entire body. Someday our nation might break down like this. He looked back at the place again, and there's kids in the dirt, donkey shit everywhere. And he said, this place wasn't always like this. This nation should be a tourist mecca. It should be wealthy, but just look at it. If this ever starts to happen in America, it's going to be bloody. It's going to be awful. You're going to have to pick a side. But if this book taught you anything, it should be that when and where you take a stand is more important than anything else. I think it's really long past time that if you are choosing to fight a war for your personal liberty, your personal independence, and for the personal liberty, independence, self-sufficiency, self-reliance of your children, your children's children, their children, and their children's children, and their children, seven generations out, you start thinking really hard about when, where, and how you take a stand. Taking a stand 
in the means by which the state has set up for you is allowing them to choose the when, the where, and the how. And when you allow your enemy, and make no mistake about it, the oligarchy, the technocracy, is your enemy. They are the enemy of the people. If you allow your enemy to choose the time, the place, the where, and the how of the battle, you are guaranteed to lose. This book is ancient, and it nailed that perfectly. It nailed that perfectly. This has been required reading of military officers before we were worried about, well, the bullshit we're worried about today we're not even going to get into. This is required reading for people in high-end business programs in universities, even though it's so ancient. Why? Because it works and because it is a strategy book. It is not just about war. It is about strategy. And it is about stoicism. And if you have never read it, you need to read it, no matter where you get a copy from. And if you have read it, this might not be a bad time to read it again. You can find it at tspaz.com or just go to the survivalpodcast.com and scroll down to the post right below today's episode. You'll be able to find it there. Remember, you can always support everything I do by doing your online shopping starting at tspaz no matter what you buy. You can stay in touch with us by going to the survivalpodcast.com and clicking Get Social. And it would be a great idea to get on our daily mail. Then you'll never miss anything, thesurvivalpodcast.com. And click on Daily Mail with that, guys. Have a great one. And tomorrow, I have a different thing altogether for you. You guys that are here only for the Bitcoin stuff, you might want to check this out. I have a gal coming on tomorrow named Bonnie Cow. Bonnie said, the hell with this. Left a high-paying job in one of those flashpoint areas of the northwestern United States. And went to Fairbanks, Alaska. In fact, an area just south of Fairbanks, Alaska, where she is currently building what's known as a dry cabin. After spending a couple winters up there living in an RV, it's like, I'm not doing that ever again. What is a dry cabin? What is it like to completely relocate your life? How can you walk away from a high-paying job at a time like now and yet live a better life than you ever have before? Is adventure still something you seek? Join Bonnie and I tomorrow. That's what we'll be talking about with Daspin Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. You pull yourself up, they keep bringing you down. Are they gonna bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. Dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. Oh, 